We've been in a series, if you've been with us, uh, called Living in Two Worlds. And we're going through the book of 2 Corinthians and trying to figure out uh, what it means to be a human being on this planet with all the struggles and all the questions and all the conflict and everything that goes on with being a human being, but having the hope of eternity and the hope of a living God in presence. So that's where, that's where we've been. But we're actually taking a break uh, today in the midst of this series, and we're going to go down a, a different angle. And it, actually, I think it fits really well uh, with Mother's Day. Um, one of the funniest things to me, because I love my kids. You know, I'm a dad. Uh, I love my, my kids. But one of the funniest things to me is when, I, when one of my kids gets hurt or if something bad happens, you know, and I see that, and they're crying or whatever, and I'll go, Oh, Ashlyn, and I'll be just like this, and she'll come running at me, and she'll run right by me. <laughs> Any other dad have that experience? I mean, isn't that the craziest thing? I mean, you're like, I am ready to love on you, and they just bolt because I've got one thing in mind. Who do they want? Mom. Now, why? I think in general, moms are just a little bit more compassionate than us guys, you know, a little, a little more caring, and maybe I need to realize that. In fact, uh, Friday, uh, Ashlyn had soccer practice, and, and Mariah was out playing around uh, with some friends, and um, I was sitting in the van working on something on the side of the road, and I, I, I look over, and all of a sudden, I hear, no, actually, I didn't look over, I heard, because you can hear her well, Mariah is just screaming, and, and, and I look over, and she had totally taken a spill on the concrete, and, um, and so, and I'm just sitting there watching because I'm a dad, you know, <laughs> and I, and I'm assessing the situation. I'm seeing how she's doing her, her friend, Emily's, you know, consoling her. I'm like, okay, good. She's got that. Everything. Okay. She's crying. And then out of nowhere comes this friend of ours. Who's just, who's a mom and she's bolting down the hill. Right. And she's embracing my daughter. And I'm like, okay, good. She's good. <laughs> so, so maybe that's why, uh, my kids run past me um, to their mom. But uh, so what's interesting today is, is what we're looking at today is the reality that God, because one of the things that's so interesting, he created man and woman in his image. And so the general characteristics of a man and the general characteristics of a woman came from God. And so what we see with God is this amazing, compassionate heart, um, a God who hears the cries of his children and unlike me, to see how they're doing, actually engages in them. In fact, uh, one great verse is in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses 7 8. <clears throat> um, this is when God is calling Moses. And he looks at Moses and he says, uh, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. See, that's the heart of God. It's the heart of most moms I see. It's that rescuing. It's that compassion. It's that, man, I hear the cries of my kids, and I'm concerned, and so I'm coming down. And, and that's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to celebrate um, five of the individuals and couples, kind of family units here, who have heard the call of God on their life and are responding uh, to what he has, because God is concerned and he's compassionate. One of the things um, that, that I've just, that's amazing to me when I look at the life of Christ, because um, I really, and again, as we've been going through the series, one of the things you realize is he's transforming us into the image of Christ with an ever-increasing glory. That's, that's really, you guys, what it means to have life in God, is we start to actually be connected and engaged with God, and his spirit starts to transform ours so that we look more like him. 
So like when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I, I, I am, man. I'm paying real attention to Jesus, and I'm trying to figure out how he lives his life. One of the most amazing stories for me is in Mark chapter 1. Right at the beginning of Mark, uh, Jesus is doing some great stuff. He's healing people. He's, he's doing these miracles, and the community is just amazed, and they're loving him. And so uh, in verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So, um, and we, just, we talked about this. It was the National Day of Prayer on Thursday. Talked about prayer Friday night. Just the fact that Jesus was always connecting with his father. He's praying. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, I love this. They go, everybody's looking for you. Jesus, everybody's looking for you, man. You were awesome. And now they want to touch you. Everybody's looking for you. And then the very next line is, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. I love that. As a pastor, I love that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's go somewhere else. No, but, but here's what's interesting is that here's Jesus going, man, I just touched these people and transformed their life and now they want to cling to him. He goes, well, let's go somewhere else then. And this is what he says. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. For that is why I've come. That is why I've come. See, the fame, most famous verse in all scriptures for God so loved what? The world. Now, he started off with his chosen people, the Israelites, in, in Jerusalem. That's where the, the center of Christ's ministry was. But the whole point was Christ died for our sins and rose again so that we could be connected to God so he could live inside us because his, when he was in human flesh, he could only have so many relationships going on at one time. But he said, man, I can't wait to go because then I'll fill you with my spirit and then you guys can go in to the world. And that's really what we're talking about here. So in John 17, 17 and 18, Jesus is praying. This is right near the end of his life and he's praying to the Father. It's one of the most amazing prayers to read. And he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth, and your word is the truth. Now, the word sanctify literally means set them apart to you. Set them apart. I mean, there are so many things that we can get entangled in as human beings, so many things we can give our life to, so many things that we can devote ourselves to, so many things that we can live for. But what Jesus prayed for you and for me is that we would be set apart unto God. That your life and my life would actually belong to him so that he could do with us what he created for us to do. I mean, this is one of the things I love where Jesus said, man, when you lose your life, you find it. And what you find is we're actually supposed to be set apart unto God. And so um, one of the things that amazed me when I really gave my life to Christ when I was a sophomore in college um, is I started hanging around people who not only were getting this great relationship with God for themselves, but I learned a critical thing that changed the path of my life forever. And that is that whatever I receive from God is not just for me, ever. See, the life of Christ was never about himself. And once you get the life of Christ inside you, you know what? You live for others. Everything that God gives you, he gives you for you. It's a blessing unto you, but it's a stream of living water. We, we say this all the time here. If you get it and it sticks in here, then it turns into a swamp. I lived across from one. They're not, they're not that great. But a raging river is one that gets it to give it away. I'm telling you, it will change your life when that light bulb comes on. 
and you realize, wow, I don't live for myself anymore. And what I get from God, I get so I can give it away to other people. And so in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 15, why does God so love the world? He loved the world because every single human being is intended to be connected to God. (laughs) Connected to Him. To be in intimate relationship with Him, and yet we're not. And so in Romans 10, it says, For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, though, can be saved. There can be this connection with Him and this relationship with Him. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? I mean, you're not going to call on Him to save you unless you believe. And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? (laughs) You know, if I've never heard the name of Jesus, I can't put my faith in Him. And how can they hear about Him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is what the scripture means when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, when Jesus said, Father, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth, the very next line he said is, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Did you know right now that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, at the core heart, I believe, of who he wants us to be are people who are bringing the good news that every person can be connected to God through Christ into the world. Just as the Father sent Christ into the world, Jesus says, now I'm sending you into the world. Do you know tomorrow morning, if you're a follower of Christ here, do you know tomorrow morning when you walk into your workplace, I believe with every fiber of my being that Jesus wakes up with you and he goes, man, I can't wait to get into your workplace. When, when you go to school tomorrow, all of you who are in school, when you walk into that classroom, Jesus is like, dude, I couldn't wait to get into this classroom. I, I, you know what? God wants to get into the world and he wants every person to know how much he loves them and he wants to connect with them. And what's amazing to me is he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And every one of you that are followers of Christ have been sent into the world by Christ to bring the good news. And that's what we're going to look at here today. In Mark 16, 15, this is after Jesus rose from the dead and he's talking to his disciples. He said, go into all the world and teach the good news to all creation. And um, and so the last thing, just what's interesting here too, is at the beginning of his ministry as well, uh, right at the very beginning, what did Jesus do? What was one of the things he did right at the very beginning? Anybody? Uh, hey, dear, you're right. He did lots of things. Okay. So, but one of the things he did immediately was he said, hey, I need some guys to hang with me. <laughs> I'm not doing this by myself. Okay. My whole goal is to equip you guys to fill you up to go do this. So he called these guys and he had 12 of them. We, you know, we know of the 12 apostles and then he, but he called many other people. Tons of people followed Christ when he called them in Mark chapter one, see chapter one, right at the very beginning Jesus said, come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, I I just got to tell you, all of you who are Christ followers in here today, if you follow Christ, really, okay, not, not if you go to church, you know, not if you do good things and are religious. I'm not talking about that at all. Has nothing to do with this. What I'm asking, what I'm saying is, if you follow Christ you will be a fisher of men. 
In other words, you will be somebody that God uses to help get connected to God. And you know what's crazy? I love this. He says, you come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then it says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. They followed him. Jesus, you're it, man. You hold the words of eternal life. I'm receiving them and I'm going to follow you. And if I'm following you, I'm going to help other people find that out too. And in the last verse, in John 12, 26, Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. I I love that. See, because that means if I literally am following Christ, then wherever I am, that's where Jesus is. Do you guys guys see that? Again, intimate presence connected to God. And if I'm following him, I bring that everywhere I go. And then he said, my servant will also be, my father will honor the one who serves me. My father will honor the one who serves me. So what we're going to do here today, and we've been sharing this, kind of letting you know that this was going to happen today. We have, again, the five uh, different uh, people who've, who've, who've responded to this call, who've heard Jesus say, come follow me, and, and they've done this. And what they're doing is they're literally giving their life. Now, let me just say this. This is critical to understand. Because lots of, I've talked with people who feel like, man, I'm not a pastor. You know, this isn't you. you know, that's your job, Dave, you know, is to help people connect with God. No, actually, if you, if you read the Bible, <clears throat> it says my job is to help equip you <laughs> to help people get connected to God. So every single one of us, but there are often, every once in a while, there are certain people that God says, hey, I, I really do, I'm asking you, my call in your life is to give all your time to this. And so, and, and the Father honors the one who serves them. But we have five people in our, in our congregation who've responded to that, and we just wanted to honor them today. We wanted to give them a chance to, to kind of share a little bit about what they're doing, what their story is, and also, at the end of this time, we're going to give you a chance to do a, just a one-time offering since they're part of our congregation. These guys have to go raise their support. They don't get to go out and just work and get a paycheck. They actually have to raise their financial support to be able to do what God's called them to do. So we're going to take an offering for them after we do that, so you can be thinking about that. It's going to be different. We're going to take two offerings today, because we always have to take just the general operating uh, offering for our church. So that's going to be at the very end of the service. But the, this other one is more of a special thing, different than your general offering. Okay? So be thinking about that as these guys share. All right? So um, these are guys who have been sent. They heard the call, and they followed him. And the first one I'd like to bring up, and if you'd welcome him uh, abruptly, is Doug Grennan. So guys, give it up for Doug. He comes up here today. Awesome. Wow, dude, you broke our stand. Dude. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Hi. (laughs) All right, Doug. So uh, how long have you been here at K2? Um, I've been at K2 since its inception, since day one, how it started, and you riding down the aisle on the bike. Oh, sweet. Yeah. What a great memory. Cool. So, well, so, uh, so you've been here from the very beginning, and, uh, and then you felt a call from God to join a ministry called Young Life. So tell us a little bit about what Young Life does. Yeah. Young Life is uh, an organization. It's a nonprofit. It's an outreach to high school kids. That's what Young Life is. We also have Wildlife, Capernaum, which is junior hires is Wildlife, and Capernaum is kids with special needs. And we're starting uh, Young Life College at the University of Utah next year. Cool. Yeah. And so mostly the kids that we reach are uh, they're unchurched, disinterested, don't really want to walk into a building like this. 
And we have young life leaders who are volunteers who spend time in their world. They go to their football games, they hang out with them, and they just start a relationship to earn the right to speak about Jesus into their life. Cool. Yeah. So, so where do you guys meet? Um, we meet in the homes of kids and parents in uh, the community who say, hey, we believe what you do and come hang out and tell them about Jesus in our basement. So it's kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And so what, what are some other things that you guys just do as, as a ministry besides your weekly meetings? Yeah. Some of the things that we're really known for is our uh, camping ministry, which uh, I don't like calling it Young Life just a camp. It's more like a resort. Yeah, I've been to them. Yeah. They're unbelievable. Oh Seriously, if you want to go to the greatest camping experience of your life, go to a Young Life camp, man. They rock. Yeah, they're amazing. And so a lot of these photos that are up here are different camps we take kids to and, and hang out. And that is a place where we take them out of this world, pretty much, to just really hear about God. But have We're really big about John 10.10, 10, which is living life to the fullest. Yeah. You know, I came to give you life and life to the full or abundantly. And that is what Young Life Camping is about, is to give kids an experience that's so much bigger than just hanging out, but just really having an adventure. Nice. Yeah. Well, the last thing I'd love for you just to share with everybody real quick is, is why. why. Why did you decide to do this? Um, what got you into it? And, and, and now you've been doing it for three years, is that right? Mm-hmm. You're in your third year. Why are you still doing it? But start us a bit. How did you get into it? Yeah, I was a, a, a high school kid, Skyline High School up in the east side here and. Hollow. Um, <laughs> and and we, uh, I was an unchurched kid. I was raised Catholic, but grew up in Moville, Utah. And Where? Moville. Mo- Momenville. Come on. Um, so uh, I just distracted myself. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's cool. Um, so I, I grew up, and I, I grew up a lost kid. I, I ran into everything. I wanted to try partying. I wanted to try sports, women to fill my heart. And some dude, so my friend invites me to Young Life, and I'm like, what do you do at Young Life? Well, we do, like, games. and it, well, I mean, you just got to come. It's kind of weird to explain. Come see it. And I'm like, that sounds stupid. I will never go to that. <laughs> and I went once, and I fell in love with it. I'm like, man, this is so life-giving. And mm. I think high school can be a very demoralizing place and a, a lost place as far as adults in your life. And so I connected with some um, volunteers who were, they were in college and they were like, hey, we're, they were at my rugby games, they spent time in my life and they're like, what do you think about Jesus? And long story short, I was, I was pretty on board with it but still living two lives. Ended up falling rock climbing before I was supposed to go Young Life camp and I was stuck in bed and I'm like, I'm not going and then they came every day and saw me. And they're like, you got to come. you got to come. And so I went, and I couldn't do anything at camp. There's like, as you've seen, there's photos of blobs, zip lines, bikes, all this crazy stuff. And I just got to hang out because I was hurt. But I heard about Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. And so I gave my life to Christ to that. And right after that, I graduated. And I joined, and I started being a volunteer leader. And I started spending time at the school I graduated from and pouring into their lives. And so... As that went on, I went through college, <clears throat> being a volunteer leader, studying speech pathology, and I was, I was poised to go to grad school, and I was top 10% of my class, and I was about to get in, and I really just didn't want to do it, because I was like, I really love spending time with these high school kids and sharing t- who Jesus is. And so I'm like, all right, I'll join staff, and I sit down with my boss, I'm like, what do I have to do? And he's like, well, you'll have to raise every penny you get paid, and then we'll figure out everything else around that. I'm like, okay, let's do that. 
And I come from a family that's not Christian, not super supportive for that. Me going, hey, I just finished college. Do you guys want to, like, help me raise money? <laughs> and my parents were like, just get, no, no. <laughs> and so um, I joined staff, and I've been on it for starting my third year now. And it's been the craziest adventure I've ever been on. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. And your brand new married man? Yes, my amazing wife, which will be here second service. She works with kids with special needs. Awesome. Um, Capernaum, and she is amazing at it. And she has such a heart for people and for specific, specifically that group. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for getting up here, Sharon. We love right, what you thank do you. with these guys around the valley. Yeah. Give Doug a hand. <laughs> Uh, the next person uh, that we want to share with you is actually down at the South Campus getting interviewed live, but it's Mike Menning. And um, I don't know, I'm sure we've got some pictures up here. If you've been hanging around at K2 at all, I'm sure you've recognized uh, Mike. Mike was actually a, a pastor of another church in the Valley and, uh, and then eventually retired from that position, and he's been here at K2. But what, uh, what he's a part of is called Pastor to Pastors. And which is a really cool concept because, um, to be honest with you, I don't think many people think about that, you know, in fact, that was one of the weird things for me is becoming a pastor. All of a sudden you're like, wow, uh, who do you go to? And, uh, you don't really know. And Mike has really offered himself, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. That's his whole family there. Uh, so there's Mike on the left. And uh, so what he does, man, he just spends a lot of his time connecting with different pastors all around the valley. And specifically, he's really targeted uh, church planners, which is a really obviously very close thing to my heart. And so guys who are coming into the valley new and starting something special, Mike is the one who comes alongside them, welcomes them into the, into the valley, and just helps them to get connected and pours into them. It's a very, very cool ministry that he's involved with. And then the other thing that he's been uh, uh, incredibly uh, supportive in is the Cambodian Community Church here in town. Um, they had, their building had burned down, and Mike came alongside and has just been leading the charge to get that uh, back in place and to, to build that back up. So I, I love it. Uh, Mike's a, a committed member of K2, which is really cool. Um, one of the things I love about Mike is whenever he's actually in town, uh, you'll usually see him here early, and he's just roaming around the, the campus, and he's just praying for Sunday mornings here, just praying for God to be able to meet with us and engage with us, and just a, a very faithful uh, servant and a servant to me and, uh, and a great guy. So if you are, uh, just again, another one of our guys who, who said, you know what, I'm going to give my life to help the larger body of Christ all around the valley. And so, so we love what Mike's doing. Um, the next person uh, can't be with us live interview because uh, she's actually overseas uh, in the Middle East. And her name is Julie Nans. I don't know if you guys know Julie. Um, I'm sure if you've been here at all, you've heard Julie. Uh, Julie has the best laugh in the whole world. So if we're ever in the service, you'll hear this cackle going on in the back. And it's always Julie, which is fantastic. She's just so full of joy. Uh, Julie is on staff with uh, Campus Crusade uh, here at the University of Utah. But she's been spending this last year over in the Middle East. And she's going to be back uh, with us this summer. Uh, so she's she actually sent us a video real quick that we can watch just to kind of to get an understanding of what she's doing. So here's this. Ah. 
Julie and I've been a member of the K2 Crash since 2004. Um, I was first introduced to Jesus my junior year of college at the University of Utah and ever since that's something I knew I wanted to do was introduce other people to Jesus and see their lives change because he literally changed my life. For the last several years I've been working in Utah to reach college students for Christ and then I felt God's call to give a year of my life in the Middle East, reaching Muslim college students for him. Uh, one of the things my teammates and I have been praying for this year is that we would see God's kingdom expanded in this country. And since September, three students have trusted Christ. And I really wish you could meet them. Their courage and their faith is inspiring. Um, as an American believer serving in this country, um, I can only glimpse at the struggles that they have as new believers here. Um, and the courage that they really uh, show really motivates me to want to share my faith more boldly. Uh, another thing that my teammates and I have been praying for this year is that we would see God's kingdom expanded in our own hearts, that we would have a better grasp of what the gospel means for our own lives. And for me personally, this year has been one of pruning and stretching I've never felt this challenged physically, emotionally, spiritually um, as I have this year. But I've also never felt um, this close to the Lord. He truly is my refuge, and I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful to you for coming on this journey with me this year, and I'm excited to share my experiences with you soon.
Awesome, man. If you know Julie, she's, a, she's an amazing woman. And uh, the thing I love the most about Julie is she's somebody who says, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. And she just follows him. And people are being blessed now all over the world because of her faithfulness. Uh, the, the next person, the fourth person, uh, we would like to uh, reintroduce to you. How many of you know Chad Bronner's Anybody in here remember Chad? Okay. If you were here at all in our early years, everybody knew Chad. Uh, we actually called him our social, K2 social director. Um, uh, what was that on Love Boat? Was it Julie? He was our Julie, you know. So now he doesn't look anything like Julie. In fact, if you get on uh, Chad's blog, the way he always describes himself is, hey, I'm a 46 uh, overweight, bald, uh, white guy. Yeah, that's how he describes himself. But where Chad is now is he felt the call of God uh, to move to inner city Pittsburgh. And uh, what he's doing right now is he's on the north side of the inner city of Pittsburgh, lives in there, goes to church in there, and he's working with a ministry called Urban Impact Foundation. And, uh, and that's why Chad just kind of laughs at himself because I'll never forget uh, about a year or two ago, he came back and he just shared with me again, Dave. He said, I'll never, I'll never forget at the early part of K2's life, you taught on what it can really happen in your life if you'll surrender it to God. And he said, when you said that, something triggered inside of me. He goes, but I didn't know what that really meant. He goes, I didn't know what it meant to really surrender. He goes, I don't know if you remember, I came to you and I asked you, what does it mean to surrender your life to God? He goes, now I know. And I found my life. And he goes, and it is pretty funny that an overweight 46-year-old white bald guy can be in the inner city of north, uh, the northern part of Pittsburgh ministering to these inner city kids. And, and Chad's having a major impact, you guys. He does a lot with sports ministry, which is pretty cool. He runs a baseball program that has six teams in, in, uh, six teams in it between ages of 7 and 12. They do a basketball outreach program where they over, have open gyms and the youth come in to play that and hear about Christ. But then they also, the other cool thing is they actually have their own basketball teams that uh, the kids join their teams. And then, man, these, these are the kids they really pour into deeper. They build relationships with them. And, uh, and he just said here in this note, he goes, I've been blessed to have seven boys that I'm personally mentoring get accepted into college next year and into trade school. That's just so cool. And he just, he says, I feel that God brought me into the lives at least four of these guys because he knows they, there's no way they would have ever been going on to school. But his presence, just saying, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I, I, basically, Chad just heard God say, hey, Chad, follow me. Let's go to, let's go to inner city Pittsburgh. And Chad said, okay. And that was hard for him to leave here because he was such a big part of our community. But he's impacting lives and he's helping kids connect with God, which is so cool. Um, so he's our fourth one. And the last one who actually is live that we're going to bring up here as well and chat with for a little bit is uh, Carmen A. and Angie Leone. So give it up for Carmen A. who's out down here of North Campus with us. And uh, his beautiful wife, Angie, is down at the uh, South Campus. And uh, we've mentioned these guys here before, uh, but uh, Carmen and his family have felt like God has been calling them to uh, Manila and to the Philippines. And so, uh, so uh, you guys are heading there. When are you leaving? July 2nd. July 2nd. Yep. Dude, time is ticking. I know. I get more nervous every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, man, just real quick, why don't you just share with everybody what it is that you're going to be doing uh, in Manila? Uh, okay, so we're joining an organization called uh, Kim Kids International Ministry. Uh, there are two orphanages, one in Metro Manila, uh, about 40 kids, and the second is in a southern island called Mindanao, another, I believe it's 80 kids. And uh, so I visited last year, and it's just growing, and they're expanding, and so they need, I'm an architect by trade, 
and so they're looking for somebody <clears throat> to help them with the construction process, designing additions to uh, buildings, and just leading construction teams in that. And so uh, it started off as one project, and so when I was there in July last year, I started designing a community center that's going to end up um, employing Filipinos from the community so they can get back to their community. Uh, the second one is an addition to the orphanage in, um, in Mindanao. And then, uh, and then also Kim will be partnering with an organization called Remember New. And what Remember New does is they, they're right now functioning out of Cambodia and they're coming into the Philippines. But what they do is they take young girls that have been taken into the sex trade industry. They rescue them. And that's just half the battle. That's the easy part. Once you rescue them, take them out of that, <clears throat> what do you do with them? And so part of their focus is rehabilitation. So we need buildings for that. And so we'll be part of that. And then uh, there's a fourth building, which is a surprise to us. But um, so one day, uh, Angie and I were driving downtown. My wife, and she's a teacher. And uh, she was just mourning the loss of our library. She loves the public library system here. And uh, so I suggested that we forget about what we're not going to have here and how can we bring it there, you know, how can we provide for them what they don't have. And in our minds, we were thinking, we'd, you know, put a couple books on a shelf and we started a reading program for the kids. And uh, that's just exploded. <clears throat> um, and it's because of people, our community, you guys, um, we kind of asked for some help with that. And uh, three weeks ago, we sent over 12,000 books that we collected. Nice. And, that's uh, awesome, man. Yeah. Way to go, you guys. Yeah. Very, very cool. So that, that was just the beginning. Uh, as soon as they found out 12,000 books were coming, uh, the neighbors, which is a seminary, donated a piece of property to start building a library. And then when, when that was announced, somebody else stepped up and said, I want to give $10,000 to start building the library. Sweet. So our little shelf has turned into... <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome to watch God work that way. And it's, it's wow. confirming that it's not just us. It's God's plan, too. And it's just really cool to watch that happen. Yeah. You know, there's a guy, Henry Blackaby, who, who wrote this book, Experiencing God. And one of the things he said in there is, see what God's doing and join him. You know, God's always at work. Jesus told us, my father's always at work. And, uh, and you guys have been on this journey of uh, being quite involved in that. But before we do that, you, we actually have a video. We do. And what, what's, what are they going to see in this video? Uh, Jeff is the director of the orphanage in Manila. And he moved to Manila 19 years ago as a, a missionary teacher at Faith Academy. And then... Uh, I guess about 15, 14 years into it, he decided that he wanted to do something more with the community. And so he's the one that started the, the orphanage. And so he's been there 19 years, him and his family. And um, so he's the one that's kind of running the thing. He's just an amazing man. And he's just recklessly faithful, just kind of crazy cool. about what he's doing. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and watch this video real quick. Church back in Salt Lake City, Utah, and Carmen A. and Angie Leone and their, their kids. We're really looking forward to having them come and uh, be responsible for uh, teaching and discipling some of our men, our, working with our short-term teams, seeing uh, buildings uh, not only planned properly, but uh, come to uh, fruition uh, in a great manner, and looking forward to Carmen A. Uh, motivating uh, not only Filipino workers, but short-term teams that come to get involved in not only building and sheltering people, but community centers, schools, uh, business centers that are going to empower Filipinos to get jobs and offer them uh, a way to uh, work and take care of their families, provide for their families, their water, their their school needs for their kids, the food, and 
the things that are natural that moms and dads like to provide for their, their kids and each other. And through these building projects over the last several years, we've been able to see dental clinics, uh, classrooms, homes for people, a camp in Mindanao, future homes uh, for children to keep them out of the sex trade and to provide for them for their daily needs, uh, working with other uh, organizations in Cambodia and Vietnam, Thailand, uh, India, uh, as well as other parts of the Philippines. We really sense that this is our time. Uh, we're into kind of the peace plan where we, uh, in, in the letter P, we plant churches, want to uh, see churches uh, come together people come together and share with each other in the body of Christ. Uh, when we think of peace, the next letter is E, and we want to equip the servers. You know, we want the people that are serving in these churches to know how to teach and disciple others and to create leaders in those people's lives so they can go and do the same thing. A is assist the poor, and uh, that's what we do here a lot. Through the K2 Church, you guys are sending over a, a container of food that will have a big impact. It will have some things on there that will also help our ministry centers and our missionaries uh, settle in. So assisting the poor is a big part of what we do here. C is caring for the sick, and with our three nurses, one Canadian and two Filipino nurses, as well as dentists and other doctors that assist us on a part-time basis, we are thrilled to see how many people can live a healthy life here in the community uh, just by being cared for, being given vitamins each day. You know, a lot of these people find themselves um, living at, at a, a level where they can't even think and provide for each other for their daily needs. They go into some days not knowing how they're going to feed their families. They go to sleep at night not having fed their families. And so through this poverty and living at ground zero, really ground zero, want to use Carmenet and his architectural ability to erect uh, these houses for shelter. Uh, the master plan, when we think about how we impact the community through uh, building up walls and building drainage systems, so we take the septic and the sewage out of the way, we want to see him lead team members along this way, so caring for the sick. And finally, we want to educate the next generation, so peace, P-E-A-C-E. E, educate the next generation. We need classrooms. Uh, three years ago, we started school with 30 kids. Two years ago, we had 60. This year, we had 125. Next year, there's over 180 students enrolled. And we keep the classrooms small. Uh, the numbers are only 15 students or less for each teacher. We want to help these students learn and grow. It's not about the numbers game. We only want to do what God wants us to do. And we only want to do it well with excellence. And we feel like the more classrooms we have available, the more number of teachers we can hire, the more number of students that we can get sponsored. And that's a really neat way, in addition to, to helping uh, Carmen A and, and Angie and their family come over here, just sponsoring children to go to school, $40 a month. Um, helping helping them in their daily lives to be educated, to keep the girls from being impregnated by boys, to, to keep girls busy in school and learning about Jesus and hiding God's word in their heart that they might not sin against Him, to keep the boys off the rugby glue and from drinking too much alcohol and smoking and using all their money that should be going to school on things that just are, are no good for them. And we just want to change the hearts of those people. So we think educating the next generation is something we can be very passionate about. And 180 students starting in June need your help and other people's help to get that done. And there will only be more students in the future if Carmen A and his family can get over here. Angie, 
uh, I know is a great teacher. She's got three young kids, so we're looking forward to having her input at whatever level she's comfortable with as a mom, as a teacher. We know that she's going to have an impact as well. So please pray for Carmen A. and Angie. Use this month to get on your knees on their behalf. We really need them over here in the Philippines, as well as the team that's going to rotate over here in July with them. Another team is being formed in October. A container is being shipped in April. All this to connect K2, the church, with what's going on in the Philippines. We want to be uh, people that are caring and compassionate on behalf of Jesus and be his representative and ambassador for him in this community and in greater Southeast Asia. So if you can't come, please send Carmen A and Angie who can come and help. And if you can join a team, that'd be wonderful. If you can't join a team, help send others to come and impact the community and the effort that we have ongoing here with Kids International Ministries. God bless you all, and thanks for being part of this. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? It's so cool what you guys are going to be able to be a part of. Um, really excited for you. Very cool. Hey, we just got a, a couple minutes left. Um, I wish I could give you about a half hour because I know you could share with everybody. But just take a couple minutes and uh, beyond what you're going to do, share what's really going on in, in your heart and just uh, uh, what this walk has been like for you with Christ, just in the, the deeper part of what this is has been for you literally two minutes uh we'll take whatever yeah we, we'll see take whatever you got <laughs> okay uh well it started with our walk here at k2 we went on our first mission trip i did anyway to honduras and what i was doing there just building with people of the community is where i come alive i just love being with them i love um, just building those relationships and just seeing what can happen through that and so i just that just kind of blew away blew me away angie experienced the same thing in russia um, she visited an orphanage there, and um, so I got back from a trip to Africa. I designed a hospital there, and I came back, and I just knew that once a year, splitting up with my wife and serving in a foreign country wasn't enough. And um, so we, we came home. We started praying about it. We started a process of um, asking God where he wants us, and we started a process of eliminating things in our lives, debt and financial obligations that would prevent us from going if God wanted us to go tomorrow. Um, in that process, um, I think if you would ask me then, that would have been it. I just, I'm going because that's where I'm alive, you know. And, and through that process, before God even told us where we were going, um, he started telling me to prepare. And I was overwhelmed by that. I didn't know how to prepare, you know, how much can I learn in a short period of time. And he was saying, forget about the knowledge. He says, focus on your love, my love for you. If you can understand my love for you, you're going to be able to share that love hmm. with them whoever that is. <clears throat> and uh, I just felt like he even provided the way for that to happen. I studied, I studied, or I am studying for three months now, the Song of Songs. And, um, and it just really, really quick, there's a, a part where, you know, he's telling his wife, his, his beloved, and she's down in the valley. He says, God says, come up onto the mountain with me. And she says, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. You know, she's afraid of the wilderness. She's afraid of the mountains. She's down here in her comfort and she's secure. And she says, I won't come. And he says, okay, I, I don't love you any less. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you can stay there. But I just want you to know that you down there alone in your comforts and your security is nothing compared to being up here with me. And uh, I just feel like that's where we are. We've responded to that. <clears throat> and we're somewhere between right now. And it's terrifying and it's exciting. 
And I, I truly believe that God has that for each one of us. And for us, it means going to the Philippines. Um, and God meets us wherever we are. And so I believe that for you, it just may be coming to church today. Or it could be serving in your community or in the Middle East or whatever that means. But um, I think we're just afraid of leaving our comforts. And it's just so exciting to, to be where God wants you to be, even though we have no clue what he's doing or where we're going. And, you know, I see those pictures. And, I mean, my wife hasn't even been there. So it's a, she's an amazing woman that she's willing to go. And she's willing to follow God and just be that faithful. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty good. <laughs> hmm. I, do you look like, can I have just one second? Yeah, because I can't, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what we're most excited about is that we were asked to go to Kansas City to be interviewed to make sure that, you know, we were qualified to do this. When we got to Kansas City, they said, yes, you know, a major portion of your life for the next six months is going to be raising support. But even more important than the money is gaining the hearts of your church. You need to have a, a, a heart connected to your church. And I don't know how to do that. You know, so we started this process. <clears throat> um, it's, it's amazing that <clears throat> three weeks ago, we sent a 40-foot container to the Philippines with 150,000 prepackaged meals and 12,000 books. Um, I just can't wait to send back pictures of us unloading that container and feeding those people. And, I mean, we, it's going to be amazing because we've got pictures of you guys packaging that food. And it's just, I love being part of that process. And I love it that God is so far ahead of us. And it's not about, you know, what Angie and I want to do anymore. It's about what our body is doing and how just powerful that can be. Yeah, you got to think uh, my emotions coming from knowing these guys a lot longer. I think the, the deeper thing for me is that it's not even Carmody and Angie going to Manila. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, Carmody and Angie sat up on our stage a few years ago, and they just shared how their marriage was uh, in shambles. Um, and they shared how drugs and, and certain things in their life were, were seeking to destroy them. And how Jesus Christ, surrendering their life to Christ, brought uh, healing and restoration to their marriage and new life. So, so that was the first surrender. <laughs> and that was the biggest one. But the other thing is cool is like after you went to Honduras, dude, I mean, uh, again, God is so gracious. He doesn't go, oh, you accepted me. Go to Manila. You know, uh, what you did over and over again is you faithfully served here in our youth ministry programs. You know, you faithfully jumped into any of the outreach stuff that we were doing. You'd go on mission trips. You just took, you took steps. Uh, and, and through those steps, I think what God said, I think in all honesty, dude, I think God looked down at you and he goes, wow, this is a guy who will actually do what I ask him to do. And because of that, you're going on the ride of your life. You guys, we call it K2 the church, the adventure with God. The only way to have the adventure is to say yes to God. And that means surrendering. Saying, Lord, I will follow you. What a beautiful picture. Jesus always loves us. If you want to stay there in your safe place, that's okay. But you'll never know what it could be up here. And um, so thanks, man. Thanks for sharing. Love you, buddy. So, Ben, why don't you guys come on up? And uh, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, Carmody and Angie, you know, this is brand new for them. They've just been starting. Uh, they need to raise $48,000 uh, for the whole year for everything, which is pretty amazingly low uh, for this type of endeavor. Uh, they've raised 20000 of that, so they still need to raise $28,000. Um, all, all of our team, these guys could use support. In fact, all of the, these guys as well are going to be out in the... In the, out in the are going to be out in the lobby, uh, and you can, you can chat with them and, and connect with them. They'll get more information if you'd like to. Uh, that, that'd be great. 
But um, uh, we're going to listen to this song. And while you do, I, I just want to really encourage you. My guess would be that some of you have been sitting here this morning. And God, you, you've been hearing the voice of God. And he's saying, follow me. You know right now that your life is way too much about yourself. And you're not free. And you're caught up in your little world. When we are surrounded by a world that needs to know that they can know the love of God and be connected to him. I just, I, I'm positive that some of you are hearing the voice say, follow me. For most of you, it means follow him into your workplace tomorrow. For some of you, it means follow him into your home today. I don't know what it is. For some of you, I think he might even be saying for the first time, just follow me. Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men and you will change the world by the power of my spirit within you. So I want you to think about that while we listen to this last song. And then right now, if you came prepared or even right now, if you are ready just to give an offering uh, to help support uh, all these five. Basically, you guys, what we're doing is in our general budget, we're supporting them. We already have money set aside that as a church. We're just going to give them. But uh, we wanted to give you as well just a one-time chance to say, yeah, I also wanted to say, yeah, I, I believe in what all you guys are doing. And uh, the money comes in, and we're going to divvy it out proportionally correctly to all the people who are involved.